So we are in a series called what? Anybody? Atmosphere. We're talking about atmosphere and changing our atmosphere and how important atmosphere is. And this, we've talked about the atmosphere of a praying church, atmosphere of prayer. We've talked about the atmosphere of unity. And then we talked about what the atmosphere of division brings. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about the atmosphere of the sacrifice of praise. The atmosphere of the sacrifice of praise. Yeah, you know, like many of you have said it several times, I've been in church a long time, you know, 46 and a half years. And uh, I've seen a lot of things in church. I've seen a lot of people who make a lot of noise. But I don't know that all the time noise equates to praise. Come on now. I mean, if we're going to be real about it, if we're going to be practical, if we're going to serve a real God, we need to be real with ourselves to understand that noise doesn't necessarily equate to praise. There's a scripture in Hebrews, I believe it's around about verse 13, that says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips. Now, this is an important scripture. It's an important phrase, by the fruit of our lips. Because we must understand that fruit has to have a source. When we talk about the fruit of our lips, fruit doesn't just come from nowhere. Come on now. Fruit has to have a source. And so if we're going to offer God the fruit of our lips, that fruit has to come from somewhere deep within. And so what we have to understand is that you know, if you go somewhere, if you come into church or you see maybe a fellow Christian and they say praise the Lord and you say praise the Lord, uh, that's good if it comes from your heart. But if you're just echoing that person, then you're not really praising the Lord. I mean, if you're just doing what you see others do, if you see others singing, dancing, shouting, saying praise the Lord, I'm blessed, highly favored, whatever our catchphrases are, and you just say the same thing because that's what you feel like you're supposed to do, well, you're not really offering the sacrifice of praise. You can go to the Grand Canyon and shout something out, and it'll shout it back at you. Doesn't mean it has any feelings for you. It's just echoing what you said. And so we don't want to just echo when we give praise. I see people sometimes, and I've been there, working hard to be spiritual. Working real hard. We, we learn and memorize some scriptures. We learn some vernacular, some catchphrases. You know, I get a witness to that. And we learn some things. I'm blessed and highly favored. And, but do, and, and those, those things are true. You are blessed and you are highly favored. But if it's coming from a place that you don't really believe it, then they're empty words. See, it has to start with believe. Every time Jesus went to someone who wanted to be healed or changed, he said, do you believe? Do you believe that I can heal you? 
And by your, your faith has made you whole, is what he says. Your faith. And so we have to understand that we can work hard to be spiritual, but if it doesn't come from a place where God has deposited his spirit in us and a place of thanksgiving in our hearts, then we're just being strange. We're just being a little weird. Come on, I've I've seen it. See people who make a lot of noise and, uh, you know, if, if, I, if I have a sense in my spirit that it's a situation where people are just making noise and that type of thing, I kind of try to stay away from those situations <laughs> because it's just a little weird to me. It's just a little strange. It's not really based out of relationship, come on, with the Lord. If you're going to serve God for any amount of time, I'm talking about a long time. I mean, those type of things work for a little while. They work once, they work twice, they work for a little while. But I'm talking to people this morning, I believe, that want to serve God for a lifetime. I believe I'm talking to people this morning whose life has been changed by the Lord, their life. Not an event, but God came in and turned something around. You see, in the midst of all of the things that go on around you, we have to learn that our praise for God is not based on any circumstances. Come on, it's not based on an accident. It's not based on a seizure. It's not based on cancer or whatever else. It's not based on anything good or bad that may have happened to us. But our praise for God has to be rooted and based solely on who he is. Just the fact that he is worthy of the praise is the reason that we have to praise God. And in Hebrews 13, 15, it says, give him praise continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Always thanking him with thanksgiving in our heart. And God is a God that requires this from us, saints and folks. You you must understand that you, you don't go to God just any kind of way. I mean, we've got a little lackadaisical, I believe, in our praise, in our coming before the Lord. Hear me now. I believe in singing, I am a friend of God, because he has called us friend. He has called us friend more than servants. He is our friend. But we must remember that our friend is not just any friend. We're talking about the almighty God. Come on, somebody. And you just don't go into the presence of the king in the Old Testament unless the king had the scepter out for you to come in. You just don't walk in there. Because if you just walk in the presence of the king without an invitation, you'll walk out without a head. You just don't come to the king any kind of way. We're talking about the almighty God. And we cannot be lackadaisical in our praise for him. We can't take his grace and his mercy for granted. There has to be something rooted in us. See, I began to think, and the Lord began to speak to me about some things. Things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus sacrificed himself and he died on the cross. 
and he shed his blood for the remission of my sin. I'm thankful that my name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm thankful that before the foundation of the world, come on, a lamb was slain. I'm thankful that I have a beautiful wife and a beautiful family, beautiful brothers and mom and mother-in-law who all love me and I love them. I'm thankful that I have a wonderful congregation, beautiful friends, and a great church of people that love me. I'm thankful that I have gainful employment and I'm able to pay my bills on a timely basis. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful that God, when I tried to mess up my life, that he reached down into the miry pit, into the clay, and he pulled me up, and he set my feet on a, on a solid ground. Come on, somebody. And he established my going. I'm thankful this morning that when God could have killed me like he did Sodom and Gomorrah, because I found myself in mess where I didn't, didn't follow his word and said the wrong thing to people and turned my back on him, When I did that, he still blessed me because David said he has set his love upon you and upon me. And so I'm thankful for all those things. And mostly, I'm thankful just because of who he is. He is the almighty God and he loves you and he loves me. So when we talk about giving the sacrifice of praise, let us remember that it cannot be just, you know, oh, Lord, yeah, I thank you, and, and, and you're good. Let me go on about my business. No, there's times when we need to tarry and we need to think about not only what God has done, but who he is, who he is to us. He's given us a covenant. You know, Paul told the Romans, He says that Jesus died on the cross when you were yet in sin. That means when you were wallowing in sin, you didn't even know there was a Jesus. You didn't know there was a God because you ruled the world, Romans. You had your back turned on God and you didn't even know it. How can you turn to God and you don't even know there is a God? But God... In his infinite love, grace, mercy, and wisdom, died on the cross for those of us that didn't even know he existed. And he saved us, and he made himself known to us. Come on, the sacrifice of praise is what we're talking about this morning. And when you give the sacrifice of praise, not based on what he's done, but based on who he is, it changes the atmosphere. It changes everything around you. What are we talking about this morning? Atmosphere. We know what it is. We've defined it, a word that speaks to the pervading tone or mood. It can affect your attitude and your demeanor, even your outlook. We know what we want in a desired atmosphere. We want an atmosphere that's conducive for a move of the Spirit of God. We want one that's attractive to the lost. Come on. We want one that's prepared that when the hurt come in, they're, they're healed. Just by walking in the atmosphere. I'm not even talking about laying hands on somebody. I'm not even talking about praying for dementia. I'm talking about when Barry comes in, his dad is healed because the presence of God is here. And he's in his presence. Come on. That's that kind of atmosphere I'm talking about. An atmosphere that is encouraging for the Holy Spirit to move and the gifts of the Spirit to move. 
How do we know we have it? Because we have the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is moving amongst us. There's transformation, open heavens, river flowing power. All these things are going on. He told us clearly, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Don't stop, and it don't stop. Come on. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And he says, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. See, some of us give sacrifice, or what we consider to be sacrifice with our lips, praise unto God, or by acts, but our heart is not in it. We forgot that Jesus was compassionate, even in correction, for his people. Now, he spoke very harshly to the Pharisees, but those weren't his people. Come on. Can't compare that to you and me. But he was compassionate. He corrected with the right attitude. And if we don't connect the right attitude and relationship and compassion with the truth of the scriptures, then we're not in the will of God. Because you can have the truth of the scriptures and not the right attitude, and God will reject that. You don't believe me? Because you'll go before him and he'll say, you'll say, uh, listen, I've done a lot of things in your name. I cast out demons in your name. And he'll say, get away from me for I never knew you. You didn't have my attitude. You didn't work it with my spirit in you. And we forget about that. It's a sacrifice. Why is it called here the sacrifice of praise? Well, the word sacrifice comes from a Greek word, thusia. And its root means to kill or slaughter. That's what it means. To kill or slaughter for a purpose. Now, this is what we're, this is the root of it. See, it's not just about praying, oh Lord, I love you. It's about the sacrifice. That's what I'm trying to get to this morning. It's about killing or slaughtering some things. Got your attention now? God's got mine. You see, praise often requires that we kill some things. Things like pride. I can't praise God with pride. Remember the story Jesus told about the two men that went to the altar. One man began to pray before God. And he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this other man who's poor he comes and he doesn't really even know how to communicate properly, doesn't use good English. The clothes he wears are not all that great when he comes before you. He just, he's uneducated. And I just thank you, Lord, that I'm not like him. And the other man said, Lord, I just thank you for allowing me to come into your presence. He said, there's areas in my life, Lord, that I'll confess to you, I don't believe, but help my unbelief, oh God. Jesus said the second man went away justified. He didn't say all the right things. He didn't even have the right theology. But his heart was for God. David did some things wrong. Come on, do we have to rehash that? But God said, there is a man after my own heart. A ruddy boy, a murderer, a liar, 
adulterer. Come on. But it's a man after my own heart. What is it saying? Is it saying that we can just do what we want to do, fall into sin, as long as we feel like we have a heart for the Lord? Paul says, God forbid. (laughs) Because when you know better, come on now, you have to do it the right way. But we have to remember that in all of our praise and all of our quoting of scripture and all of the haughty things sometimes that we do as Christians, we have to remember that our heart has to be one of Jesus. And his spirit has to come through. So we're going to have to kill some things like pride. We're going to have to kill some things like fear. We can't have fear. And I'll tell you why. You might think fear is a small thing. You might think, well, I was a little afraid, but, you know, that's okay. No, it's not okay. I'll tell you why it's not okay. Because you serve the God of the universe. You serve the one who, when he breathed, stars came out of his mouth. You serve the one. Come on, somebody. You serve the one who, with a sigh, could eradicate the universe. That's who you serve. Come on. This is not anybody that you're serving. This is not a natural king that you're serving. This is the almighty God. And when you are in fear, when you say, I have fear, you are actually slapping God in the face. He's saying, why are you fearful? Did I not create the universe with my words? Did I not form you out of the dust of the ground and breathe the breath of life into you? Does your heart not sustain you, not being hooked up to electricity, nor have a battery? For most. Some have pacemakers, I understand that. But have I not done all of these things? And you are in fear? We have to kill it. We have to. We must. We must kill apathy. That's what we're talking about this morning. We cannot be apathetic about God. You want to live the abundant life that God has called you to? He's called you to it? Jesus said, I came. I came here to the earth. That you might have life and that more abundantly. It's his purpose. It's not just an extra added benefit. This is why he came. So you can have the abundant life. So you'll be the head and not the tail. So you'll be more than a conqueror. Come on. That's why he came. We cannot be apathetic about this thing. We must kill apathy. We must kill self-consciousness. And perhaps this is one of the most difficult ones to kill. Because we are naturally ones who will defend ourselves. We are naturally ones who will just come and, uh, you know, we'll make excuses. We'll justify. We'll do anything to avoid embarrassment. You ever talk to somebody... We had this situation recently. You ever talk to somebody who's maybe gone through something that, uh, or done something maybe they know, you know, in their heart they really shouldn't have done, you know, but, uh, you know, it happened and whatever, and now they have to come to you and explain it to you. And they, they come to you to tell you these things, but they come to you already defensive. And you haven't said anything to them. You haven't judged them. You haven't said anything about what they've done wrong, but when they come, they say, yeah, I did that thing. But you know what? Ne- hey, listen. And they just come with that attitude. They're already defensive, knowing they shouldn't have done that. You ever had that? See, it's a wrong attitude. It's self-consciousness. We cannot be so into self that we forget 
that God is our sustainer. In him, I what? Move, come on, breathe, and have my being. My being is in him. No self-consciousness, got to kill it. We got to kill our own agendas, folks. Got to do it. God will give us some ways to do things. He'll give us opinions. He'll give us all of those things. But at the end of the day, it's all about him. It's not about us. And whatever your part is on the journey, that's the part that you need to play. Come on. Whether it's being a pastor or, you know, we saw Selma this last week. Whether it's being a street sweeper. Come on. Whatever it is, we have to play that part. Then God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Why? Not because you're so great that you did your, God, your, your job so well, but the fact of the matter is you did what I asked you to do. That's what God wants. Do what he asks you to do. Own agendas. What about a critical spirit? Come on, I'm hitting something now because ain't nobody saying nothing. Come on, it's easy. It's easy to criticize. Very, I find it, I don't know about you, I find it very easy <laughs> to criticize, to, to look at others, you know, and say, well, to find what's wrong with it. You know, somebody brings me a plan. Well, you know, Brother Mike, I think we should do this in church. And I say, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, but that thing right there and that thing and this, you know, it's easy to criticize and find all the things that are wrong with something. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't correct. That's not to say that we shouldn't do things the right way. But I'm talking about the critical spirit where you find yourself just doing it naturally. It's just the first thing that comes out, even before they tell you what they want to do. Brother Mike, I think we ought to, well, I haven't said anything yet. Well, I know there's going to be something. Kill that critical spirit. Idols in our life. Now, I'm not talking about the idol that you set up there in worship. Or that you, you know, that, that, that's so obvious that you worship. But there's a lot of idols in our life. Our husband or wife can be a, an idol. Our car, all kind of, we could go down the list, you know it. Our jobs, all these things can be idols to us. What about negative attitudes? Got to kill it. Here's something very, very practical. This is the beginning of the year. Some people made resolutions. What about bad habits? Bad habits, we have to kill them because it's what you default to. Bad habits. Finally, vain imaginations. There could be a list of a hundred things. So I decided to stop here. <laughs> vain imaginations we have to kill. You know, when you hear something and uh, all of a sudden your mind starts going. Remember last week we talked about this. Mountain out of a molehill, you remember that? That's what vain imaginations lead to. All these types of things we have to kill. Simply anything that threatens to diminish or interfere our worship with the Lord. These things hinder. They hinder our praise. And we just simply cannot have things that hinder our praise. So then what should be our praise focus? What should it be? Our praise focus has to be the Lord. It has to be the Lord Jesus. Listen to Hebrews 2, 11 and 12. It says this, it says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. 
For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. Listen to what he says. I will sing praise to you. This is Jesus talking to the Father, saying that I will, in the midst of of my brethren, I will declare your name. Here's where I'm going with that. How can we then not declare his name in the midst of our brethren? When the very one who created us, the word of God, says that he will give the Father praise in the midst. We must do it. We also discover here the basis of all of our praise, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in him, in him, with him, to him, and for him that we offer the sacrifice of praise. Our praise will never be hindered when we keep our focus on him. But when we begin to look around and we let things distract us, our praise becomes hindered. When we're praising God and they start singing a song that you don't really like, and you start focusing on that song, your praise is hindered. Come on. Or... When you just have it in your spirit to give the Lord a praise and you hear somebody being critical of you and now all of a sudden self-consciousness, you start listening to that, your praise becomes hindered. We'll never create an atmosphere that the sacrifice of praise brings when we allow things to hinder our praise. Paul reminds us In Romans chapter 12, that we need to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. It's not something extra we should do. It's our reasonable service. Jesus' cross, his blood, his love gift of life, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, all of us, all of that reminds us to keep offering continual praise unto the Lord as a living sacrifice. Psalm 71, 6 says, But you, by you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall continually be unto you. We must continue to praise God, continual praise. Often we find ourselves sidetracked by the cares of this world, by others, by our situations, by our circumstances, or by things we observe that take our attention off of God. So much so that we have to remind ourselves to continually praise God. See, the truth is, we shouldn't have to be reminded to always praise God. These things are built-in reminders for us. His cross, his blood, his love gift of life, his forgiveness to us. They're built-in reminders that we need to praise God. Built-in reminders. And we must take it seriously, folks. We can't just come before God any kind of way. Now, this is not to say that God doesn't want us in his presence. This is not to say that God is, you know, a scary God to be feared in a way that we don't want to come into his presence. He, he offers us to come into his presence. And there's a key 
See, there's the key. There's the key of David. I believe that David found the answer. He found the secret. He found the key to get into the presence of God. And it's in Psalm 100, verse 4, where he said, Enter into his gates, come on, with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. That's how you get into the presence of God. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. David found out how you get into the presence of God. Because the truth of the matter is the scepter now is always out. Since Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent, and now we are welcome in his presence. But the way we get in there, the way we enter into his courts is with thanksgiving. That comes from the heart. Praise on our lips and be thankful unto him. Listen to some of these praise scriptures. Psalm seven seventeen. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high, David said. Psalm 9, he says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Nothing left out. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O most high. Listen to Psalm 18.3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 22. I will declare your name to my brother. And this is Jesus. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Psalm 30.12. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. I will not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you praise and thanks when? Forever. Psalm 33, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteousness, for praise from the upright is beautiful. He loves it. He dwells in the praises of his people. Psalm 35, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. Say, I won't hold back my praise. Psalm 66, 2, sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Make it glorious. Don't just come any kind. Give him the best praise. You know, some people, some people don't, don't like it when you, you know, you go to a church. You ever, you ever seen a church service? Maybe you've been on, seen it on TV or you've, uh, you know, you've visited another church at some point and, uh, you know, you've seen where they've had different things during their praise and worship service. Maybe they've had flags or you know banners and they do all these things and, and some say well you know I don't I don't think we need to to do all that stuff I think that that's just uh you know over the top too much guess what God loves extravagance he wants us to praise him in all kind of ways sing wave flags to him as long as it comes from the heart that's what he wants whatever comes from the heart Listen to Psalm 86, 12. I will praise you, O Lord, my God. With all my heart, I will glorify your name forever. And the key of David, Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and what? Bless his name. Bless his name. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. Why? Because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete 
until it is expressed for you. In other words, what he's saying there is, lovers, it's not just so that I compliment you, that I tell you how beautiful you are, but my delight in your beauty is not complete until I express it to you. Do you get that? See, our own delight in God will never be complete. We're sitting around waiting for God to do something for us so we can praise him. Do something for us so I can say, oh, thank you, Lord. He just, he changed me. He made me feel good. But really, our delight in God is never complete until we express praise to him because of who he is. Just for being God. Then we're complete. Then we begin to understand. Then we get revelation. Listen, I'll leave you with this. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, David said. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Come on. Praise him with stringed instruments and the flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him. Let everything that has breath. Do you have breath this morning? Let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Come on, praise team.